Amen. It's an absolute awesome privilege to be with you at Edgemead AM. Uh, this is my second time in South Africa. I came in 2019. And in fact, yesterday I was speaking to a random person on the street. And as I was speaking with, they said to me, are you from South Africa? I said, I'm, no, I'm from England. And they said, well, you sound like you're from South Africa. So I'm wondering whether that's a sign, whether I need to relocate to South Africa. It would be amazing to move out here because I'm always encouraged. I'm always stirred when I come to South Africa. And I've been blessed by the partnership through 412 and the foundation that has been laid in Joshua generation. So firstly, I want to praise God for the life of the elders in this congregation for the deacons and also for the saints and all the workers, the Sunday, the children workers, the youth workers. We thank God for what he is doing in this house. Amen. And when I walked in here, I just, I was speaking to, remind me your name again, Kevin. I was speaking to Kevin and I said, I've come into a church where there is a life and there's movement. I can see and feel the life in everyone's eyes, in the conversations, and just the atmosphere that is here, that God is truly present. And so as I preach today, I spent a lot of time yesterday preparing um, and going over the sermon for you guys. And it's not so much a preach, but I, I sense more a prophetic word for you. And so I'm more going to speak into the area of what I sense God is doing among you guys and where he wants to take you. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the men of Issachar had understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. I get a sense, just a little sense, a, a piece of the puzzle of what God wants Edgemead AM to do. And so um, I'm going to draw the inspiration of the prophetic words from John chapter 5 verses 1 to 9. And whilst you're making your way there, um, my wife sends her greetings. We've been, this year would have been married for seven years. We have our daughter Alia who turns six years old this year and our son Noah who turns two years old this year. And I'm, I stopped there. I haven't got the grace of Ryan for free. So if you're at John chapter 5 and verse 1 to 9, just say amen. Amen. Okay, so it reads, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude, everybody say a multitude, of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And everybody say, one man. So there was a multitude, but there was one man was there who had been an invalid. Everybody say an invalid. For 38 years. Everybody say, wow. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I'm not even going to answer that question. But let me tell you one thing. I have no one to put me into this pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going another steps down before me, a sense of superstition. Jesus said to him, 
get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. If I could put a title on today's message, it's simply focus on the one. Focus on the one. Jesus was constantly being persecuted by the Jews because he was going against their laws and against their traditions. He heals this man who was an invalid for 38 years. And as this man is healed, Jesus says to him, get up, take your bed and walk. It's on the Sabbath day. You shouldn't be carrying your bed on the Sabbath day. That is work. So the Jews see this man walking with his bed and say, why are you walking with your bed on the Sabbath day? He says, I, I, I don't know. There, there was this man who healed me. I, I don't know who he was. I didn't get to spend much time with him. And he told me to take up my bed and walk. They said, well, we need to know who this man is. Rather than them be rejoicing about this man's healing, they were so concerned about their traditions. And sometimes we can get so caught up in our traditions, so caught up in our mindsets, so caught up in routine that we miss a move of God. And so we come to church Sunday after Sunday. We know what's going to happen. We know what time the worship's going to happen. We know how long the worship's going to happen. If it goes a little bit over, it's like, oh, they're not in the spirit today. or they, they, They've crossed the line today. We know what time the children are going to go out. We, we know what time the preacher will preach. And in, in, in my church, maybe not here, but, you know, we know what time we're going to go back to have dinner and put the food on. And if the preacher's a bit boring, then you're thinking about what am I going to have for dinner? What am I going to watch? What, what am I going to do next week? You pull out your phone, maybe look at your calendar, think about the week ahead and everything goes by routine. But sometimes when God is moving, it goes against routine and it goes against tradition. So, so Jesus appears, he, he finds this man in the temple later on. And Jesus has a conversation with him. And then after that, the man goes to the Jews and says, it was Jesus that healed me. And, and they go to Jesus and they want to persecute him. They want to kill him because of their traditions. I believe God wants to move in a fresh way in Edgemead AM. And so for the next moments that I have with you, I really want to release a word that I sense the life of God in. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I believe around verse 10 to 12, he says, I long to come to see you that I might impart a spiritual gift that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. I'm, I'm not claiming to be Paul and I'm not claiming to be an apostle, but I said to God, I've not come over 6,000 miles to come to a church just to give them an ordinary word. God, I pray that there would be an impartation of faith today. I pray in the name of Jesus that the presence of God will fall in a fresh way on this house and that ears will be attentive, that the hearts will be ready like good soil and that there will be a manifestation of the seed of the word to produce fruit in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So if I can go through the text and just give you some of the thoughts that I sense the Lord was saying to me. So in John chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, In these lay a multitude. There was many invalids. There was the blind. There was the lame and the paralyzed. So there was a multitude of people who were in need. And, you know, if you've ever been to the hospital, I've been to the hospital maybe two or three times in my life, thank God for good health, but maybe for some other people, you know, you, you spent a bit more time in hospital. And, and hospitals can be a negative place. It could be a depressing place because you can see so many people who are in need, so many people who are sick. And as a believer, you feel like, well, God, what, what can I do? How, how, can I, how can I help? And your faith can be challenged. That's why I, I rarely watch the news. In the UK, the news always presents bad news. Every time it's bad news. Even for Arsenal, my football team, it's always bad news. They're always losing. Every time, bad. there's nothing good for me to watch on the news. And you can be overwhelmed by bad news. You can become discouraged when you're surrounded by negativity on your internet, when you're surrounded by negative people. It can just cause a negative effect upon you. And so we see that the multitude, there's a great mass of people and they go to this place called Bethesda in anticipation, expectation of healing. There's, there's a hope that the waters will stir and I will be healed. I want to say that in a world, in a day and age, in Edgemead, where you may see so much sickness and so much negativity, I want to encourage you that there is a need among the people. And there are people that are searching for hope in something, whether it's superstition, whether it's in other people, or whether it's the church. People are in need of something. People are craving for something. But then in John chapter 5 and verse 5, it reads, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? There is a multitude of sick people and the focus shifts to this one individual. And I felt like the Lord gave me kind of a twofold part to the message. The title is, We Should Focus on the One. The first side of the coin to this message is that we, as believers, should focus on the one in the midst of the multitude. You, you may not be able to heal the whole of Edgemead. You, you may not be able to save a whole city, but if you can reach the one, the Bible says that there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner turns to God in repentance. Jesus would leave the 99 just for the one. And so how we're going to capture a city, how we're going to capture a world is if we focus on the one, one by one. Otherwise, we can be discouraged by the mass. We can be intimidated by the mass. 
He had been an invalid for 38 years. That's more than my lifetime. I know some of you may not have fought it. Those of you that fought, yeah, definitely. That's more than his lifetime. I like you too. The length of time that this man was an invalid would suggest that there is no hope for him. 38 years. You've been lying there continually. It's your mindset that this is just how your life is. But Jesus asked him a very personal question. Do you want to be healed? And this is what I sense the Lord is saying for you as a congregation, that it's time to start asking people the question. The question, do you want to be healed? Ask people the question, do you want to be saved? Ask people the question, can I pray for you? In our workplaces, amongst our neighborhood, in the community, it's time to start asking personal questions. Personal, get personal in people's lives. That's how we are going to reach the one. It was during the lockdown period. I was walking. Every morning I pray to the Lord and I say to the Lord, God, just give me one person that I can speak to. That's, that's all I desire. If you give me more, that's amazing. But every day I make it my ambition to speak with someone. I say to the Lord um, and I, I, I pray. I say, God, I want to know something about someone. If you can give me a prophetic word about someone, I'll be really grateful for a prophetic word. But even if you don't give me a prophetic word, my aim is to share the gospel with one person every day. Maybe they're saved. I will find out when I start sharing. And so it was during the lockdown period and schools were just going back and I was dropping my daughter to school. And I remember just praying, saying, God, you know, show me somebody, show me somebody. I, I, I walk past this guy, he looks really bubbly. He says to me, hello, how are you? I says, I'm good, thank you. I continue walking. I get to the school, drop my daughter to school. As I'm walking back, he stops me again. He says, I saw you earlier. We, we start talking for two hours about all different kind of things we're, we're talking. As we're talking, I asked him something very personal. I said to him, how many children do you have? He says to me, I have two children, but one died at a very, very young age. And me and my wife, we've not recovered from that. I said, okay. I said, you know, what do you do for work? He says to me, you know, I'm just retail. I work in a shopping center, shop supermarket. He says to me, what do you do for work? I said, I work for a church. He says to me, I, I have a bit of faith, but not faith like you have faith. I said, okay. We continued talking. I left it there. I didn't feel like at that moment I needed to tell him anything more. Every day for a week, I'm constantly seeing him and just sowing little seeds, bit. By bit. Now, we are very, very close. 
Now, whenever the church will put on an event, he's not there that he's at every Sunday. But if the church puts on an event or so forth, he's coming bit by bit. And I think very, very soon, very, very soon, he's going to give his heart and his life to Jesus. Why? Why, why, why did we get to this place? Because I didn't just see him as a neighbor. I said, it's now time to get involved in your life and to begin to ask some personal questions. But sometimes we, we don't want to do that because we're a bit nervous. What, what if they don't want to give their life? What if, what if they don't get healed? But for this man, it's been 38 years. I want to encourage you that there's so many people in need, that they've tried so many things, so many avenues, but we have something to offer. Inside of us is so much greater than anything the world can offer. And so the sick man answered him. Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed? He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. He says, there's times that the water stirred and I've tried my best to get next to the water, but someone else jumps in front of me. The Lord said to me, encourage you, to encourage you. His hope was in superstition. He blamed his circumstances, why he can't be healed. But we want people to focus on the one who is Jesus. Focus on the one. We have to focus on the one in the midst of a multitude of needy people. But we need to encourage needy people to focus on the one who is Jesus above all circumstances, above all superstition in the world. The focus is on everything else for this man but Jesus. And we need to draw people's attention to Jesus. Jesus is above it all. Maybe there's someone here today that you've tried everything in your own might to turn your life around or to turn your circumstance around. And all hope is lost. But if you give Jesus a try, Jesus is greater than it all. I'm reminded in Luke chapter 8, the Bible speaks about a woman who, you know, suffers with an issue of blood. There's a discharge of blood for 12 years. She suffers with this. And in the midst of a crowd, this woman in her sickness, I don't know. How? But my imagination just imagines that she's quite weak and she's lost strength in her body. I know what it's like to lose some blood. And when you lose blood, you may feel a bit weak and a bit faint. And this woman is weak in her life. The Bible says that she's tried every doctor. She's tried every healer, everything in her power. She's tried her best and she's in the crowd. There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of mess around her. But she continues pressing past the crowd. 
And whilst there may be many people looking down at her, whilst there may be many negative words spoken over her that there's no help, there's no help we can do for you, she continues pressing through the crowd. And I can imagine her focus is not on her circumstance. Her focus is not on the people around her, how people might judge her, but her focus is fixed on Jesus because she's heard so much about him. She's heard that he's a healer. She's heard that he's been delivered delivering people from all kinds of demons and she says I need to get to Jesus and so she realizes that as her focus is on Jesus she just touched the hem of his garment she didn't need to see his face she didn't need to see his fullness she says I just need a bit of his garment and so she touches the hem of his garment And the Bible says that instantly this woman is healed. 12 years of trying and instantly she is healed. Um, I I promise you I'm not throwing shade here or or, or trying to make you feel any way. But but this this is how our congregation does it. When I speak about healings in the Bible, they look at me like, that's a good story. I mean, this is a true story. For 12 years that she has not been healed. She's gone to the doctors. She's gone to the best professionals, the best practices. She's flown. I'm just using some imagination here. She's got the plane and flown many thousands of miles just to see the best doctor. To hear that there's nothing we can do about this. And all she does is touches the hem of his garment. And instantly, she is healed. And do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, who touched me? The disciples say, what do you mean, who touched you, Jesus? There's, there's, there's loads of people. Like, who, are we going to find Anybody touch Jesus? Well, I mean, we bumped past him when we were walking past. And do you know what Jesus says? He says, no, 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 this touch was different. He says, because I felt power. I felt virtue leave me. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we carry that authority. We carry that power of Jesus. We've got to shift our mindset. 38 years, he's an invalid. And Jesus says, get up. Instantly he's healed. The woman with the issue of blood, for 12 years, she had no hope. She touches Jesus. Instantly, she is healed. Jesus can heal instantly. It's it's not just stories, you know, to encourage us in the sense that, you know what, Jesus was the son of God. He says that we will do healings as well. He says you will heal the sick. It's time for the church to shift this mindset to believe that people can be healed. And you may have prayed for people on many occasions and they may not have been healed. But don't stop believing. Focus on the one. You may have prayed for 10. You may have prayed for 20. But don't stop praying. Believe and believe. Do you know what my mindset is? It's not about me. I don't care. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed if I'm in the supermarket and I see someone unwell or with a walking stick. I'm not ashamed to ask, can I pray for you? And you know what? If I pray for you and you're not healed, okay, God didn't do it this time. 
But I don't feel bad. It's, it's better than you being like that. At least I tried. You, you'd have went away. With, we need to shift our mindset. Because actually there are times that I've prayed for people and I've seen instant healing. There was one occasion I was, I think the first time that I felt a shift to pray for healing. I was preaching at a church. It was about three hours away from where I live. And as I'm preaching, I'm feeling this fire in my hands. My hands are warming up. It's getting really warm. And I'm, I'm thinking, what is this? It's getting really, really warm. And I heard the Lord say, call people forth who are in need of healing. And I said, if there's anyone in need of healing. And I remember there's this woman that came forward. She had a walking stick. I got, I'm thinking, yeah, this, I'm not sure she'll be healed. You know. And she comes forward. And I lay my hands on her. And instantly she drops to the floor. I felt almost a sense of God moving. She was having sciatica pains, back pains. Instantly, she was healed. I, 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 don't, I don't operate frequently in the gift of healing. I wouldn't even say the gift of healing is my gift. But in that moment, God wanted to move. And I believed. I believed and I still believe that God can work miracles. There is the gift of healing. It's a spiritual gift. To some, they have the gift of prophecy. To some, they have the gift of faith. To some, they have the gift of healing and the working of miracles. And out of a church, maybe of 150 people, I'm sure there must be one person with the gift of healing. Well, how do I know if I've got the gift of healing? Start praying for people to be healed and you will find out whether you have the gift of healing. God wants to release the gifts, a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit, of the gifts in this house. And I believe one of them that he wants to revive is the gift of healing. So I'm coming to a close here. Jesus says to the man, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. It was instant. Immediately he was healed. Jesus didn't give him a walking stick or a zimmer frame. Jesus didn't hold his hand and help him to limp. Jesus just had confidence that this man was healed. And then we have a similar story, a similar account in Acts chapter 3. That it's not just Jesus. We see that Peter and John are going up to the temple in Acts chapter 3. And there is a man who is lame, asking for money, asking for alms. And they say to him, you may be very familiar with the story. They say to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, get up. They took their hands out, reached out. There was a confidence in them that this man would be healed. I believe that confidence they had is they were walking with Jesus and saw that Jesus was healing people. And Jesus says to them that you will heal the sick in my name. And so they say, in the name of Jesus, get up. And they take his hand and the man gets up and instantly he is healed. Faith for healing. Faith. For the working of miracles. So I'm coming to a close here. If I could maybe have the keyboard playing.
nice little sound as we begin to pray. I really sense the Lord as I was preparing yesterday. As I was coming out here, I was saying, God, please pour out your spirit afresh on Edge Medium. God, pour out your spirit afresh on the leaders. God, there's, there's so much life in this church. There's so much movement in this church, Lord. And God, you want to use this congregation to reach a lost and dying world. God, there's people, Lord, in the neighborhood. There's people in surrounding areas that, Lord, are in need. There are some people that they've, they've given up hope in religion. They, they've lost faith. And there's prodigals that you want to return back home. There's some people that they're going through some real difficult challenges in their life, whether it be, you know, physical challenges. It may even be mental and emotional challenges. And the Lord wants to reach out his hand. His hand is not too short to save. And he's saying that I want to raise up Edgemead AM. I want to pour out my spirit and that there will be the working of healings. There will be the working of miracles. That they will witness signs and wonders through the working and the, the moving of my hand in this day and in this age. And so, Father, I pray that there will be a release of faith in this house. You said that to each person there is a measure of faith. I pray for an increase of faith. I pray that the capacity of faith will increase in this house. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God I pray that Lord as they read the scriptures of healing Lord it will begin to stir up something within them I pray that you would anoint Lord every person's head with oil that their cups would run over God I pray for rivers of living waters to begin to flow in each and every person that God they will believe you they will believe you for your word that you said that Lord we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I pray Lord God for the anointing Lord God for the, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon this congregation to be your witness you said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Lord I pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit I pray for the rain to come upon this congregation God that Lord, they will witness a move of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, a move of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, for the breath of God, that you would breathe, breathe within every person. Breathe on the leadership team. Lord, in those conversations, when they're counselling, when they're advising, just breathe fresh life. In every home, I see right now there's, there's homes that are around this area and I, I see the lights are off and I see like you as a congregation just carrying lamps and knocking on the door and giving lamps to light up every house. Lord, I pray that God, this city will light up even 
brighter in the name of Jesus. I pray that the light of this house will burst forth out of the four walls and will reach the community. Lord, I pray for the local doctors that God, they will witness and see signs and wonders flow from a move of God. I pray for a fresh release. And even right now, I pray for any individual who you've been struggling with your physical health. I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, before we get this account in John chapter 5, there is a man that came to Jesus and his son was at the point of death. And Jesus sends forth his word to heal this individual. Right now, I pray that the word of God will be sent forth to heal you, to heal any aches, to heal any pains in the name of Jesus, any sickness or disease. I pray right now for the word of God to be sent forth to bring forth healing in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We pray for instant healing in this house. Yes, yes. Oko boho shata yada la la. Mandere boho shakata yada la 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 bakata. Just receive. Rivers of God are flowing through this place right now. Jesus asks the man, do you want to be healed? I believe God is asking a similar question to us. Do we want the nations to be healed? It's time to begin coming out of our comfort zone to praying for the sick to challenging people do they want to be saved God wants to beautify your feet as a church the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news let's carry this life let's not leave this place the same I pray that you will be stirred stirred to go forth in the power of God. I just want us to stay in this attitude, just there. Um, just this week, it's it's 
um, I'm quick to pray for somebody, but it's not oftentimes that I see like healings. And just in this week, I've had two, three actual instances of praying for somebody and saw instant healing. And I really felt like this is something of God, a move of God that is happening. And we, in this week away that we were with the apostolic um, and with Andrew giving it to us, there was something of that same word coming, the same thing that Ashley is speaking about, saying that there's a fresh wind that God is bringing over the church, a fresh wind of healing, of signs, of wonders. And it's not to go, oh, wow, look at this, but it's actually to show the one who is worthy, to show the one that is full of life, the one that is the keys to death in Hades. Amen? And so I just felt like as we, as she was speaking, what is that guy's name that, that you are trusting for? Alex. And so I, w- I want for us just, maybe if, if all of us can stand together. Uh, and I know we've, we've, given, we've given finances and we're going, we're sowing, but something more than finances is us praying. I mean, and I, I'm really trusting that even as we're praying here, and I know Roland, where's Roland? He's somewhere there at the back, felt the same thing. Like as we're praying, that we're trusting for Alex, that he might come to the Lord. Amen. And so as we're going to pray for Alex, I want to encourage us. That if there's anybody that you, go, that you go, that's in your heart, that you know, man, like my heart is aching for this person to know Jesus. In this moment, we as a people, as a family, we're going to lift up our prayers to the Lord. And we're going to say, God, we're trusting you. Because we know that everybody needs to touch the life of Jesus. Because without him, there is no way else. There's nowhere else to go. There's no, nothing else ahead of that. Amen? And so this is a battle that we are fighting. And this morning, we're stepping into that battle. We're saying that we're going to focus on the one. The one who can save, but the one who is needed to be saved. Amen. And so I want to ask us, just, just as we as we together, if we can together lift up our voices and pray. Okay, so just now in this moment, we're going to pray for Alex and whoever else is there that you're trusting for. Um, and then I'm going to ask Martin to just lead us in the prayer. So maybe stand closer. So if we can just, just there we are, if we can just lift our voices and trust God in this moment. You can pray. You can lift up your voices. Yes, Lord.